You are listening to the Long Hollow Podcast. For more information on Long Hollow or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.longhollow.com. Last week, I talked about Jeremy Brown, who was working kind of behind the scenes in production. And it reminded me there are so many people that allow us to come in here and worship the Lord behind the scenes that you may never know the names of or may never meet personally. And I just want to honor them, Uh, the guys in the sound booth, the guys who are running the cameras, guys who are in the back booth you'll never see who are running all the production and audio and lights and video, Uh, the guys in the parking lot and the girl, guys, I'm saying collectively, girls in the parking lot and the greeters at the door and the people who work in the children's area and the kids' area, all of which make what we see on Sunday morning possible. So let's give the Lord a hand for those who work and serve. Thank you. We could not do it without you. So thank you for that. The title of the message today is called Love in Marriage. Love in Marriage. And I want to begin with a question. And the question is, what is the most important thing in life to you? Right, right now, like what is the most important thing in life to you? Now, for Tom Brady, according to the news, playing football at the age of 45 was more important than his marriage to Giselle and living in the home of his two children. Uh, Brady has chosen the Buccaneers, and unfortunately, the Bucs season is over, like every football season ends, and he's probably relocating to a new city, right? We wouldn't uh, turn him away from the Titans, according to me. I can't, he's like, but what about Tannehill? He... He's a nice guy. He is a, he's a nice guy. I met him. He's a really nice guy. Unfortunately, none of us play football in this room, so we don't, we don't know what it's like to trade the NFL for our families, but we do trade things in life and make decisions on a daily basis with our time. We'll trade our time with our family for building a business. We'll trade time with our family for traveling outside the home. We'll trade time with our family for binging out on Netflix or swiping endlessly on Instagram and Facebook. And what we want to see today is, and I want you to see, that maybe your marriage looks healthy on the outside. But if you really put a finger on the pulse of your marriage, you'll realize that it's not all it's cracked up to be. And what we're going to decide or we're going to we're going to determine over the next 2 weeks is we're going to look at some of the closest relationships in our life. And we're going to determine how can we be present while we're present. Now, we're going to start with the closest relationship we have, which is our marriage relationship today. And so if you're not married, you're like, "Oh, really? A marriage sermon? I'm not married." Well, it's something to learn if you are married or maybe if you were married and you're single now. There are some lessons I think we all can learn here this morning. But next week we're going to talk about parenting and being children two parents. And so that'll be next week. But today I want to talk about how to be present in our marriage. And so if you have a Bible, turn with me to the gospel of Mark and uh, we'll study chapter 12 verses 28 and following. Now here's what we're going to do today. Jesus is going to be asked in two different gospels by two different leaders, two different questions, and he's going to give the very same answer to both, which is fascinating. Two different questions, two different leaders, two different gospels, the exact same answer. And we're gonna answer two questions and we're gonna determine how to be present in our marriage. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. We like to say word at Long Hollow. So if you're there, you can say word. The word of the Lord. One of the scribes approached 
When he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which command is the most important of all? So basically, what is the most important thing in life for me and you uh, as a follower of God? And Jesus said, the most important is listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. And so I wanna give you two insights uh, about relationships and really essentially love, right? Number one is this, write this down. Love is a decision. You ever thought about that? Love is a decision. Now we talk a lot at Long Hollow about this, and this is biblical, that if we want to affect our horizontal relationships with people around us, we need to first check our what? Our vertical relationship with God. I tell new couples when I, when I'm, when I used to counsel a lot, but I'd meet with them and I would say, you need to love your wife less than you love Jesus. Or another way to say it is, you need to love Jesus more than you love your wife. You need to love Jesus more than you love your husband, why? Because when your love for Jesus, to be loved by God and to love God, it affects every relationship in, in your life. And so the natural question becomes then, okay, can a person be commanded to love? Like, can I command you? Jesus is commanding us love one another. And the answer is yes, if love is a decision which I would say it is. Now, we must love God more than we love others, but this is what you need to understand. Can I love somebody that I don't like? Or better yet, can I love someone and not be emotionally attached to the love I extend? And the answer is yes. Because Jesus said, if you remember, love your enemies, remember this, and pray for them. So think of the person who is slandering you in the community. Think of the person who is out to get you. Think of someone who's trying to destroy you and love them. Now, the love he's talking about is not this giddy kind of tingly feeling, butterflies in your stomach, boy, I get to pray for them. I love this, right? It's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about here is you and I as believers, listen to me, should be able to extend kindness to another person and at the same time live upright and righteous. We should be able to balance truth with love and couch it together. Tony Evans, one of my favorite preachers and pastors to listen to said this about this kind of, uh, uh, these two topics. He said, we must be as Christians compassionate while at the same time being righteous. If you're only compassionate and you're just feeling sorry for folk, you might be unrighteous in what you do. But if you are righteous, meaning living by standard, but do it without a heart, then you tell the truth and are ice cold in the process. We've encountered both types of people, right? But notice what he said. When you're compassionate and righteous, know, and people know you care, but they know you have a standard in which you care, meaning you're gonna call wrong, wrong, and right, right. They know you're seeking their good in the decision. That's the best line. You love them whether or not they know that you love them. Why? Because it's the desire of your heart and the motivation of your life. Here's the way I wanna describe it to you. Look at me. Love is a verb. Love is a verb. What that means is love is not only a decision you make to extend to someone, it's a demonstration 
in your life. Number two, love is always demonstrated. Not just decided, it has to be demonstrated. Now, I told you we'll study two different gospel passages to determine what Jesus is teaching us about love. This is a passage that the expert asked him a different question. So same response, different question. The first question was, what's the greatest thing in the world? What's the greatest way to live? Jesus said, love the Lord, love others. Watch this. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Then an expert in the law stood up and tested him saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, don't have time to explain this for time, but I will say this. Eternal life is not just talking about life tomorrow and the spiritual by and by of heaven somewhere out there. For the Jewish nation, eternal life was how to live life everlasting today. For those who are interested, I wrote a whole book on this. It was one of my favorite books to write that no one bought. It's true, it's true. It's called Here and Now. And I thought, man, I had, I'm on some groundbreaking stuff here and apparently nobody cared. But anyway, if you're interested, I wrote a whole book about eternal life being the day. Okay, the question is, how do I inherit eternal life? Notice what Jesus says. Bow your head and repeat a prayer after me. Is that what he says? I'm not against that, but that's not what he says. He says, he says what is written in the law? And how do you read it? Basically what he's asking is, how do, how do you interpret this? He answered him, this is the guy, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. Basically the same thing. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Here's the line. He says, do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus and then, well, who is my neighbor? Okay, I understand love people, love God, but what is, who is my neighbor? Now, the key word here is neighbor. When you normally think of a neighbor, what comes to mind? Who comes to mind? It's the guy who never takes his trash inside after trash pickup day, right? I mean, like a guy across the street, king of the... It's the lady down the street that everyone knows you never tell her anything secret because it's all down the, the block, right? That's normally what we think of neighbor and that's part of it. But I wanna give you a new translation to think of when you see the word neighbor next time you read the Bible. And it's a translation that has, I think, more of a robust understanding of what Jesus is trying to teach. The word neighbor, you ready for this? is nearest one, nearest one, nearest one. What does that mean? Nearest in closest proximity to your life. The person who is the closest to you right now in your life. And so if you're a husband in here or a wife, the closest person to you in life beside relationship with God is who? It's your spouse. It's the person you're married to. So let me ask you a personal question. Look at me. How's your marriage going right now? Would you say you're growing closer to your wife or your husband, or would you say you're drifting further apart? Because every person is on a path somewhere, and you know you never stay idle in the middle. You're either getting closer together or you're drifting further apart. Now, the statistics will tell us that divorce today is, is rampant in our country. It's always been over the past few years. But I'll give you a couple of statistics. Someone is divorced every 36 seconds in America. That equates to 876,000 divorces a year, roughly 16,800 divorces a week, 24 
hundred divorces a day, and roughly 55 people will be divorced by the time I finish this sermon. 55 people. The divorce rate for those in their first marriage is around 41%. For those who go into a second marriage, the number jumps to 60%. If you're married a third time, 73%. That means if you're married a third time, three out of four marriages are going to end. Do you wanna know what is the top cause or one of the top causes of divorces in our country? One out of three divorces happen from online affairs. Uh, I was reminded just how kind and compassionate and loving uh, Twitter is to people this week, myself, just for those who are knowing what I'm talking about. <laughs> as they extended a lot of love to me for what I preached on last week. But anyway, what I've realized is this, and you know that online could be good, obviously, but there's a lot of challenge with being online. All relationships require time, listen to me, and effort to grow. What do I mean? You don't drift into romance. You don't fall into love with someone. You don't, you, you, you don't uh, migrate toward intimacy. It is a targeted, active, intentional process of two people working together for the best marriage they can have. So here's what I wanna do in our time together. It's gonna be a very kind of different sermon than normal. I'm gonna give you some practical steps to have a healthy marriage, okay? And again, I'm preaching to me, so don't think, well, he's gotta figure it out. I'm learning uh, in the process like you. But I wanna give you some practical steps to a healthy marriage. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to do so. If you wanna really impress your wife, guys, pull out the phone, you really will. Man, he really wants to work on this marriage, apparently. <laughs> Russell knows. Number one, write this down. Communication is the cornerstone of a healthy marriage. Not a part, not a stone, the cornerstone, meaning everything is built upon communication. Are you upset with me? Nope. Are you not speaking to me? Yep. What's wrong? Nothing. Now I know that never happens in your marriage, but I've heard of some marriages like that, right? Now here's what you, gotta, what you have to understand. Before you can repair a marriage, there has to be revelation. You can't repair what has not been revealed, okay? So communication is essential to a healthy marriage. And here's the way I like to look at it. Uh, Revelation of a problem or an issue leads to repentance by the couple, which leads to restoration of the marriage. So revelation, repentance, and remember, remember, repentance isn't just the first time you come to Jesus. You should repent when? Every time you sin, you repent and turn away from it, okay? Uh, I wanna give you an illustration that'll help you think about why revelation and honesty is important. Jordan Peterson, gives a talk on marriage that I listened to a while back and he talks about a children's book, uh, one of his favorite children's stories, uh, which is called There Is No Such Thing As A Dragon by a guy named Jack Kent. Uh, I actually bought the, the kid's book and, and looked at it. It's a pretty insightful book for being a children's book. And the story goes like this. There's a young boy by the name of Billy Bixby. And little Billy realizes one day that he finds a cat-like sized dragon on his bed. And he's blown away by this little dragon. He's like, wow, a real dragon. Never seen a real dragon before. And he notices that he's pretty friendly. And so he goes to his mother and he says, mom, there's a dragon in the bedroom. To which his mom says, son, 
<laughs> There's no such thing as dragons. What are you talking about? Well, as the story goes, the dragon starts to grow. Uh, and he starts to grow because he eats the pancakes that fall on the floor and he eats the crumbs that go under the rug. And before you know it, he starts to fill the whole house out. The dragon starts to grow. It becomes so um, ridiculous that mom, who is oblivious to the dragon or doesn't recognize his presence, just is vacuuming in the story around the dragon. She has to go out of the house, takes a long time. But again, she's not admitting there's any such thing as a dragon. And so the story progresses and the dragon gets so big that his head's outside of the home and his legs are outside of the window that he actually picks the home up and walks down the street with the home. And so dad gets home from work and he notices that his home is now an empty lot, a vacant lot. And so he asked the mailman, he's like, hey, where's my home? Man was like, I, I think your home's down the street. You know, it's relocated. He's like, okay. So dad kind of walks down the street. He climbs up the neck of the dragon. He gets into the home and dragon's now sprawling out in the street. He rejoins his wife and his son. And at that point, mom is still insisting there is no such thing as a dragon. To which Billy, who's had enough at this point, screams out at the top of his lungs, mom, there is a dragon. And immediately when Billy, get this, acknowledges the dragon, he shrinks back down to the size of a cat. And so the family's kind of sitting around the table talking about this after the fact that he's back in a cat-like size, and uh, they all agree to two things. Number one, dragons do exist. They know that. And number two, they are much more preferable the size of a cat than the bigger size of the gigantic counterpart that he was. After the dinner conversation, mom looks to Billy and she asks this question. Billy, why do you think he had to get so big? To which Billy responded, I don't know, mom. Maybe he wanted to be noticed. Maybe he wanted to be noticed. Look at me. When problems in your marriage are swept under the rug, the dragon devours the crumbs. And what happens is this little thing starts to grow into something beyond your control. And what I mean, it's unspoken hurts from the past, past trauma in your life, coarse words spoken by your husband or wife in anger, family dynamics just coalescing together, years of addiction and rehab and coming back, inappropriate relationships that you try to minimize or justify, unresolved fights in the marriage, and a thousand un other unaddressed issues which you have kept quiet about, you have avoided, or you have hidden under the carpet. Listen to me, a marriage doesn't dissolve overnight. It's a slow fade of inattention to the person that you made a covenant with before God. You know what they say? The average person contemplates divorce for two years before they file. Two years. And I want you to see this, because I know what you're thinking. Well, it's not really a big deal. We just can work it out later. We can put it, kick it down the road. Unaddressed hurts and your marriage are like burying someone alive only to have them come back to life down the road at the most inopportune times. 
So instead of saying this to your spouse after you have a disagreement or they say something that hurt your feelings, you know, babe, it's all right. (laughs) It's not worth fighting over. What you should say is this, I love you too much not to tell you how you hurt me. Honey, I care about you too much to let this root of bitterness grow in my heart of anger over something you said years ago. That's what you should say. Now, let me disarm some of the guys. I'm not saying you have to go home and put all the laundry in the bed when you get home and wives don't expect that. What I'm saying is there needs to be communication. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying the most intimate relationship in this world is your spouse and to neglect, watch this, and to not see them as a treasure is a tragedy today. You get one wife, you got one husband, might as well make the best of it, amen? Might as well invest the most you have into that relationship. And oh, by the way, the relationship lasts for eternity, meaning you're gonna go to heaven and you're gonna talk about it and you're gonna remember it. Number one, communication is the cornerstone of a healthy marriage. Number two, let's find ways to display our love for our wives or husbands. Find ways to display your love for your husband or wife. Now, the key word, and I get this from Jesus in here. Jesus said to the religious leader, do this and what? Live. Now, what does that mean? That means a love for another person that is not expressed is therefore suppressed. A love that does not fall into action or equate to action is a love that is wasted in a sense, is not expressed or displayed. So what I wanna challenge you to do is, when was the last time, this is kind of a radical idea by the way, the lost art of letter writing. Y'all remember a pen and paper? Anybody remember those things? Golly, you wanna blow people away? Write them a handwritten note in the mail. But anyway, when was the last time you wrote your wife a letter and just said, babe, this is how much you mean to me. Sweetheart, this is how much you mean to me. When's the last time you wrote a little note, hid it in your wife's lunch or hid it in, uh, or hid it in her car uh, console where, where she has her cup holder and just gave it to her, just a simple note. When was the last time you took a post-it note, here's an easy one, and wrote something like this, I love you so much, you mean the world to me, and put it on the wall or the mirror before she gets up and then you go to work and she sees it. Simple things, and here's what I want you to see. Little thoughtful acts add up. It's like putting coins in the marriage bank that over time produce dividends of love. Now, I probably shouldn't share this publicly because I'm giving away to you my secret weapon in marriage. And this one's mainly to the guys. And I'll tell you how I learned this. This is, this is a kind of a secret weapon uh, that I learned this from my dad. My dad did this for years and I watched how my dad would come home. My dad was always buying flowers for mom, either from a florist, but most of the time it was from the, from the store. He'd go to the store and pick up a little bouquet of flowers and he'd bring her home. And I would watch as a kid, all through growing up, I would watch mom's eyes after the 200th flower bouquet, she would still get excited. Oh honey, that means so much to me, give him a kiss and a hug. And so I took that superpower into the marriage myself. So what that means is every time you see me and anybody who's seen me in the grocery store, which is not often, but it happens, but anytime I go, I, I go to the, well, now it happens more than, but, but anyway, I go to the grocery store. If you see me in the grocery store, 
you are gonna notice there is a flower bouquet in the basket every time I go. Now, it's become comical now because when people will see me from the church at the store, they'll walk up and they'll say, who's pastor? I'm sorry, man, you must be in the doghouse. You know, I'm sorry, what'd you, what'd you do, what'd you do? And I say, what are you talking about? And they say, you're buying flowers. And I say, no, these are for candy just because. Now, here's the deal. Candy, close your ears. <laughs> these don't cost much. I'm just telling you, this ain't like a 20 rows or something. It's a, I'm talking about like a cheap bouquet of flowers. And I try to get home, guys. I try to cut all the stems. That's another little thing. Put the little flower food in and I put it in the vase for her. And here's what I'm doing. I want her to know that I thought about her today and the thought counted. I want Candy to know that she is special to me and she means the world to me. And it's a simple act that goes a long way. Number three, this is the big one. Write this one down if you're right, none other. Date your spouse. Date your spouse. Well, I thought we were married. We don't need a date. I know, that's how you've lived for 20 years. But <laughs> date your spouse. Now, I know that some of you have kind of drifted apart in your marriage relationship, so we have to do some introductions again, maybe some reintroductions. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your spouse, if she's here or he's here. I want you to look at him right now and say, hi, my name is Robbie. Don't say Robbie. No, just say, but I'm saying, you're like, I would say that to Candy. But you say... <laughs> Mike or Andrew, I mean, so hi, but say it now. Say, hi, my name is, not Robbie, but what your name is. And then ladies, I want you to look at the husband, look him in the eyes and say, hi. And then ladies say, remember me? Okay. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember the first time you started dating your husband or wife, right? Remember these days, ladies? I mean, your, your, your husband back then when he was dating you, he actually took a bath or a shower before the date. You remember that? Like he actually tried to scrub down and smell good. He brushed his teeth, right, back then. Put on deodorant. I mean, even, might have, I mean, God forbid, might even have sprayed a little cologne on, right, to smell good. And guys, you remember your girlfriend back then. I mean, she went out to the store and picked out a nice outfit, a new top to wear to the, to the date. Baggy sweatshirts and joggers were a thing of the past. Can I get an amen from the guys in here? Amen, you know what I'm talking about. That one's for me. But anyway, that was, that, was, that was a personal one right there. But anyway, guys, you remember those days. You used to make reservations for your girlfriend at the chop house for steaks. Now you take her to the waffle house for smothered, scattered, and covered specialties, right, amen? And that's what we do, that's what we do now. You used to take her to the movies and let her pick out a gift. Now you let her sit on the couch, hand her the remote and pick out a Netflix show. Babe, it's your night, you know, you got, I mean, that's what we do. And, and here's the problem, look at me. What happened? Think about this, what happened? You stopped dating your spouse. Here's what happened. You stopped caring. It's not a priority anymore. You don't make an effort anymore in the marriage. You stop planning dinners, you stop planning trips, you stop planning dates. And by the way, men, if your wife is the one who has to book the dinner reservation every single week, you know what you're communicating without communicating anything, this doesn't matter to me. Matters to you, I'll go, I mean, yeah, I'm so busy, but I'll go on a date night, but it doesn't matter to me. And here's the hard pill to swallow, and I, and I don't 
mean to be overly challenging, but the Lord's challenged me about this. Some of you have had better conversations last week with a customer about your work than you did with your wife or husband about your life or your kids. And some of you will break your neck to impress people outside the home that don't give two cents about your future and you will neglect your kids and your wife in the home that will be there for you when you're in the nursing home. You see the problem here. That, I mean, that's the problem. You made a commitment, let me remind you, to God to love your wife. Ladies, you made a commitment with God to love your husband. So let's be present with him. Let's make time with him. Let's go on dates with him. Some of our close friends who are in the service uh, have told Candy and I this, and it makes perfect sense. They said, and they go out on, on a date every Saturday night, every Saturday night. They went last night, they texted this picture, but um, anyway, but they said this. They said, you can either spend money every Saturday on a date every week to go out, or you can spend money on counseling tomorrow, but either way, you're gonna spend money on something. Dating's a whole lot more fun, amen? It's a whole lot more fun. Now, I wanna give two secrets away, one to the men, one to the ladies, and I'll start with the ladies. Two practical things you need to know about us. Number one, for the ladies, your husband, needs constant encouragement from you. He's not gonna tell you that, but he needs constant affirmation from you. He needs to be told that he's doing a good job. He needs to be reminded that he's really doing something that you see in his life. And so let me ask you, when was the last time you told your husband, hey, I'm so proud of the man you're becoming? And I know you're not perfect, but I see you trying. And I'm so thankful that God allowed us to be married. I'm grateful for the investment you, you give to our boys. I'm grateful for the time you spend with me. And I just wanna say, you're a good dad. That's a great line. When was the last time you told Hey, you're a good dad. Now guys, let's be honest. You're gonna have to give her something to compliment, okay? I mean, you just can't expect, like, like you have to actually do those things and be present in those things. Guys, let me tell you something about your wives. You, this is a great secret to learn. The best way that you can show that Jesus is real in your home to your kids, you wanna know the greatest way? It's not from the messages you preach, it's not from the Bible sermons you, you read or the passages you read, although those are good. The greatest way you can demonstrate to your kids that Jesus is real is to love their mom. Love their mom. Because that's what the Bible says. The gospel is preached when the head of the home, which is Christ, and the wife, which is the church, come together and love one another as Christ loved us. When that happens, you see a picture of the gospel. So what does it mean to love their, their mom? It means you hold her hand. When's the last time you just did a long walk and held her hand, just holding hands? Put your arm around her. Open the door for her when she goes into a, a building. Or better yet, open the door when she goes in the car. Ladies, have we lost chivalry today? What happened? Who would like a door open for them? Can I get an amen from the lady? I mean, let's be honest, right? Put your arm around. Take her on a trip and find somebody to watch the kids. Can I get a hallelujah today, right? I mean, this is the deal. We, we need to be proactive. I want you to start, this is a radical idea. Listen to her when she talks. Here's some really good questions. When was the last time you asked your wife, hey, tell me about your dreams? 
Tell me about your goals. Tell me about your aspirations. Tell me about your wants and needs in life. Guys, why, is it, why does it always have to be about us? And I'm speaking to myself here. Robbie, why does it always have to be about you? So here's the model I wanna give you. Candy and I don't follow this perfectly, although we try. But we learned this about 16 years ago from an older pastor couple. And they said, this is the threefold model they use in their marriage. Number one is we dialogue daily. Write this down, dialogue daily. That means we're gonna find a time, for us it's dinner, where we're gonna find, now when the kids are little, here's a little secret by the way, when the kids are little, they're running everywhere and they're trying to talk to us and we tell them intentionally, no, Rig, we're not gonna throw the ball at your brother and I'm not throwing, I'm talking to your mother right now. But Dada, you've been going, I know, I'll give you time in a minute, this is our time. And we want our kids to see that this is the most important relation. It's not their relationship with us, it's our relationship with one another. So we dialogue, we dialogue uh, daily. Number two, uh, we date weekly. For Candy and me, it's normally uh, Friday for l- uh, lunch. I'm normally off on Friday because I work uh, a little bit on Sunday. For some of you, I only work on Sunday, one hour a week. But anyway, but, uh, I work on Sunday, so we, don't, we go out on Friday. We, we date weekly. And then thirdly, depart quarterly. Now, some of you can't depart quarterly with just you and your spouse, but you better be departing yearly, just the two of you, no kids. Well, our kids are little, I get that. But Candy and I left our kids when, when they were very little because we knew if this relationship suffered, every other relationship in our life did as well. A healthy marriage, here's what I wanna close with, requires honesty, and hard work. Uh, last year, Kurt Campbell, who's here with us today, and uh, Lance Brown texted me um, this survey. It was a marriage survey for their ministry that they started, Love Your Wife. It's a ministry you can check out online. And still send out the emails, right? The, the, the weekly emails and texts so you can get some just reminders on how to love your wife. And they sent out this little survey. It was last year, they sent the survey. And the survey was seven questions to answer about your marriage. And the first were pretty, I mean, he set me up good. The first were pretty easy, you know? How old are you? Okay, pretty simple. Uh, how long you been married? 17 years, you know, at the time. And when I stopped and answered that question, I realized the longer you were married, the easier it is to take for granted your spouse. Very easy. The third one was how satisfied are you with your marriage? I was like, yeah, pretty satisfied, got a great marriage. The, the fourth one is the one that nailed me to the wall and the fifth one is the one where the wheels came off. So the fourth one was this, on a scale of one to 10, this is the question, remember this, one to 10, how, how satisfied are you or how, how would you rate yourself as a husband? Like, how would you rate yourself, Robbie, as a husband in the marriage? Zero being no pulse, you don't exist. Five being average. 10 being, she would say, you're her knight in shining armor. I didn't want to be too presumptuous. I thought, well, maybe 10, but. (laughs) Might have been a little bit too much, but a strong eight, maybe nine. Strong eight, maybe nine. And so I think I put eight down just to kind of be conservative, you know, eight plus. If I could have gone eight and a half, I would. And then the next question I wasn't prepared for is, go ask your wife to tell you what she would rate you as a husband. And I went to Candy thinking she would affirm my disillusions about myself and said, hey, babe, doing this survey for Kurt and Lance. And go ahead and tell me on a scale of one to 10, one being no pulse, five being hours, 10 being the knight in shining armor, where would you rate me as a husband? And Candy said, uh, I'd probably go five or six. 
five or six. I mean, it was like, I mean, it hurt me. To be honest, I mean, it hurt me. I was like, five, that's a failing grade. That ain't even a passing grade. And uh, I didn't talk to her for a while. <laughs> Sorry, Kurt, didn't finish the survey. I was done at that point. And then after a little while, I, I went out my shed and came back in, swallowed my pride. And here's the question I asked her. And thank God she told me honestly, because she could have said, oh, you're, you're, it's great, eight or nine. I said, babe, what can I do to make the number higher? Boy, she rattled. She was ready. She said, oh, 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 let me get my notebook. I'm going to get my notebook out. She said, number one, you can be more present at home. Number two, I, I think you could be more intentional with our boys. Number three, you can help more around the house. I said, uh, anything else? She said, oh, yeah, there's one more. I said, okay. Well, and, and the last one was the one that got me. She said, yeah, I'd really like to spend more time with you just you and me. Now, I wonder today, if I asked your spouse, what would they say about that question? In fact, I would even challenge you to go home and ask your spouse the same two questions. How would you rate me as a husband? How would you rate me as a wife? And what can I do to increase the number, if any? Here's what I wanna do in our time together. I wanna give us an opportunity to respond to the message today and recommit ourselves to our spouses. Now, you're probably saying, well, I'm not, I'm not married today. Uh, I'm divorced maybe, or I'm single and I've never been married. What I want you to do is the same thing I'm gonna challenge the couples. I want you to commit yourself to God in purity because that's your closest relationship is intimacy with the Father. But for those in here who are married, and maybe your husband's not here, or maybe, you're, maybe you're disconnected from your husband or your wife, and you're gonna come, I'm gonna invite you in just a moment to come pray on behalf of your marriage. But if you're here today with your spouse, in the first service, we had most couples come forward. I'm gonna ask you as a sign of commitment, as a spiritual marker in the ground, I'm gonna ask you to come and I'm gonna pray over all of the couples right now. So let's stand to our feet. And as we're standing, I just want you to come. You're just gonna bow down and I'm gonna pray a prayer of blessing on our couples, our marriages, because God knows that Satan wants nothing more than to kill, steal, and destroy the family and the marriage. Why? Because if he destroys the family, he destroys the home. When he destroys the home, he attacks the gospel. So I'm gonna ask you to come. So just come and kneel. And if you can't kneel at the front, we're just gonna spread all the way out. You kneel in the aisles, you kneel in the back. But I just think it's cool to grab the hand of your spouse. And babe, I'll pray with you at the next service. So that's okay, instead of you. Oh, you know what, Kenny, come on up. Just come on up. Why not pray my wife twice, amen? Come on, come on up, babe. Amen, amen. You come, you can kneel down. If you wanna, if you wanna kneel down and, you know what? Yeah, let's kneel, let's kneel. We can kneel together. I'm sorry, you're good. They can hear all that too, babe, by the way. All right. If you're still seating, you, seated, you can hold your hand of your spouse or put your arm around them. Let's pray. Father, we know that uh, you've given us a gift when you've given us a wife and a husband. And you've given us someone not to be competitive with or in competition, but someone to cooperate with and encourage and to lift up, God, we're a team. This is a team right here. We're a team as a husband and a wife. And I pray for the marriages in this room. God, I pray against any attacks of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for ministering angels to be set up at the four corner posts of every home represented here in this room and at home. 
that you would ward off the devil. He has no place in these marriages and we come against him in the name of Jesus, we pray. The Lord rebuke you from them. God, we pray that you would strengthen the marriages. Anything unaddressed, any hurt, any unresolved issue, anger, resentment, bitterness, that you'd give these couples the courage to say, I'm not trying to cause a problem. I just want to share how you hurt me. And I've held on to this and I know God, the husband or wife would want to hear it. And I pray for the marriages that are hanging on by a thread. I pray, God, you restore the love they once had for one another. You would remind them, God, that their first commitment is to you. And that's our prayer, God, that every person here would first commit themselves to you to be the kind of husband you want them to be, be the kind of mother and wife you want them to be and the father you expect them to be. And so, God, have your way today. Strengthen us together that we have a wonderful testimony to share with those around us, to show that Jesus is real and Jesus is alive because of the way we love our spouse. We ask it in the only name we know how. And that's the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.